and welcome to DePal, DaVita's Power of Women podcast series. I'm Rebecca Griggs, a group vice president here in the village. I'm particularly excited to host today's podcast on leading women with two of my all-time favorite friends in Davitans. But before we jump in, let me take a moment to share the purpose of this podcast series, which is to connect with you, leaders of all genders and identities at Davita, to talk about issues that are important to women. Regardless of your role or gender, our hope is that we inspire you to champion purpose, connection, and belonging here in the village in particular with women leaders and the teammates with whom you work alongside. This is the fourth podcast in our series, and if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to our other podcasts, I'd encourage you to check those out. They include the topics of managing through different phases of life with DaVita board member Barbara DeSour, how to cultivate confidence with the founder of Curtis Leadership Consulting and executive coach Christina Curtis, and our most recent episode on how to find balance as a dual working parent with our very own Marcus Katsufis and his wife, Christy. Now, back to today's episode, as I mentioned, I'm joined by two very special people in my life, Stephanie Hendrickson, Vice President of our Pioneer and Ops Design teams here in the village, and Mike Steferi, who probably needs no introduction, but is our one and only Chief Operating Officer. These two amazing people have seen me at my best, they've seen me at my worst, not only at work, but just in life in general. And today, I'm particularly excited that the three of us get to sit down together for a couple of reasons. First, Stephanie, in addition to us just working together under Mike's leadership for a really long time, I've had the benefit of your encouragement in all things motherhood, faith, and life balance. So anytime we get to team up on something, I find that incredibly energizing. And with Mike, I've experienced your firsthand intentionality on diversity. I've seen you study your own behaviors and role in diversity, not just gender, but all kinds of diversity. So welcome to you both. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Thanks, Rebecca. Looking forward to this conversation. Awesome. Let's start with an easy question, Mike. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about all the women in your life? Yeah, thank you. I like starting with the easy ones. <laughs> so, uh, I definitely have a lot of women in my life, both at home and at, and at work. Maybe I'll, I'll touch with both. I'm kind of present right now to the women in my life at home. I'm just coming off Thanksgiving holiday and my entire family was together with the exception of one niece. And I have a big family. So <laughs> we're six children, all with kids of our own. My mom and three sisters are some of the most important women in my life. Love them to death. I also have my wife, Lizzie. Um, we're celebrating our 23rd anniversary coming up. And I have three daughters, Abby and Madeline and Lila. Abby and Maddie, they are juniors in college now and just starting to pursue their majors and careers, which is a pretty exciting time with them. Reflecting on that a little bit, just connecting home and work some, it's one vulnerability that I've become more and more aware of that I have. And, and Rebecca, you and I were actually talking about this just recently. And that's that I grew up in a very traditional family. I grew up in a family with a mom that didn't pursue a career outside the home. And my own family is the same. Lizzie and I chose a very similar path. And I've been just a lot more present to that fact. My three sisters all have careers. My daughters are starting on that path in a couple of years. And so I do often find myself sitting in meetings or situations these days and asking myself how I would feel if if one of them, one of my sisters or one of my daughters were among the women there. And that's really been influencing how I view and experience the workplace now in my own leadership. The other women in my life, my work family, it's also a huge part of my life, um, as the two of you know. And there's a lot of women in that family too, over half 
of my Palmer team are women, and the same is true for my other direct reports right now. Over half are women. And these are amazingly talented people that I have a lot of admiration for and I'm quite proud of. And, you know, I should also mention as I think about the women in my life and I'm thinking about work and my career and the path that I have taken, some of my most influential mentors and champions were women. And I don't know if these names will be familiar to a lot of your listeners, but Gina Randolph, she was one of our original three DeVita Palmers way, way back in the day in probably 2000. And Leanne Zumwalt, who was a senior leader with our finance team when I first started with DeVita as a financial analyst. And so I can say this with 100% confidence that I wouldn't be where I am today without the support and guidance of these very powerful women. I owe them a huge debt of gratitude. I reach out to them often to try to convey that and just love them to death. So that's some of the women in my life. I have certainly experienced you as a huge advocate, whether it's for your women at home or for women uh, that you work alongside, and I include myself in that. But I'm curious, have you always been a strong advocate for women or is that something that you've developed over time? Yeah, I I always find that interesting because, uh, you know, that I'm seen as a strong advocate for women in leadership because I don't know if I've ever had that specific intention. I I can tell you, however, though, that I've learned pretty early on in my own leadership journey that diverse voices and approaches and leadership are super valuable. Um, You know, one of the most formative experiences of my career that I often tell people about was my first leadership role when I became a regional operations director in San Diego, California. And so as a regional operations director, you kind of get dropped into leading a really, really diverse team of people, you know, from kind of backgrounds of social workers and dietitians and nurses and PCTs and biomeds and doctors, you know, and a lot of these people are, they're mostly women and mostly people of color. And so I grew a ton through that experience and probably just had barely enough humility to sort of seek and hear their feedback about how such a diverse group of teammates experienced me and maybe just enough humility to realize that I didn't have all the best answers and solutions. And I think I came out of that experience actually, you know, recognizing that I rarely had the best answers. And so, you know, over the years, I've developed a much higher curiosity and desire to learn about the experiences of women and others and a real strong desire to have diverse voices on my team because I just know that those lead to better decision-making, better solutions, and, and better overall performance. So, you know, I do guess over time, I've probably become a stronger or I would even say maybe a more effective advocate. And that has likely just come from becoming more knowledgeable and sensitive to the unique experiences and insights of of women. Yeah, Mike, I love that. And just this idea of just being curious, right? And drawing on past experiences. I think that is, I think that's just really encouraging to hear both for men and women, right? That we can kind of reflect back and think of what shaped us. I am curious though, just in the spirit of learning, can you think of some examples of things you have learned, maybe specifically, and then anything you've had to change as a result? Yeah. yeah. Well, there's been a lot of learning. <laughs> I don't know if my changes match the learning. <laughs> you know, you always hope it does. But, you know, I have learned a lot. I mean, I could tell you of one, uh, well, I'll, I'll share a couple examples. One I really remember. I remember coming uh, to a session at our DeVita headquarters, maybe it was four or five years ago. And there were three women who were on our board of directors and they participated in a panel discussion in a town hall. And Rebecca, I'm not sure. You may have even been the one leading that one, if not Kathleen. 
But one of them that day, they told this story about how when they saw promotional opportunities become available in their organizations, that the general tendency was for men to be overly confident in their readiness for promotion and to take on more and to just jump at those opportunities. And then their experience was for like equally qualified women to look at that same opportunity and promotion and think, you know, I really want that job, but I think I need to get X, Y, and Z more experience. And maybe I need to go back to school for a couple of years. And then, you know, in three years or something, then I'm really going to go after that, that promotion when I feel more ready. And that, that hit me because as I reflected on my own experience with men and women, while that's kind of a generalization, it really resonated with me as being true. And so now I will tell you when you ask about, hey, have you changed your behavior? I will tell you now I make way more of an effort to objectively evaluate talent and promotional readiness and encourage women who I view as equally ready and talented to go for promotions and to go for additional responsibility. And in general, I believe you have to make a real conscious effort to pull women up and to help them feel confident in their abilities and their readiness for these things. And maybe, I don't know, to make it a little more real, just, you know, so I'm giving real examples. I've had multiple experiences with this as a chief operating officer leading the Palmer team where amazing women leaders just didn't feel ready. And a common theme I see is just a perception from them about what it will take to be successful and whether they they meet that bar. And in one example I'm thinking of, you know, the, the candidate was really concerned around life balance and doubts as to whether they could be successful at home and with a broader leadership role. And another example was somebody who had worked under multiple Palmers. And as they looked at those leadership styles and skill sets, they looked at both of the Palmers they had worked for and felt that their skill set wasn't similar to either of their bosses. And so therefore they doubted as to whether they had the right skill sets to take the job. And so in both of these cases, I felt that they were going to be amazing, <laughs> that they'd be really successful. I also thought they would be quite happy and fulfilled and encourage them both to go for it. One of them did and is an amazing Palmer on my team today. The other one opted for another path. And in the end, I think they've also kind of found their own happiness and are, are content with that decision too. But, but that's one thing that I've, I've learned and something I've tried to change as a result. I think about another uh, example, back to your question of, you know, examples of things you've learned and how you try to change your behavior. Another one is, I heard of the experience of a woman leader who was also a guest professor at a top business school. She told a story about how she noticed in class that participation and discussion was often dominated by men. And in general, she was talking about how men are just quicker to raise their hand and speak. You know, maybe even before they think, <laughs> they just raise their hand and jump into the conversation. And so she was telling the story about how she started to have a small pause. So she would ask a question and then she would wait something like 10 to 20 seconds after asking the question before she would call on anyone. And she realized that as she did that and just had this pause, that she got way more diverse voices in the room and way more participation from women. And so while maybe not perfectly analogous to situations that I often find myself in, something that I've tried to change in my leadership and my behavior is just to be more conscious of ensuring that there's space for everyone to get their voice and opinions into a conversation. And so sometimes before moving off a topic or before making a decision, I'll just simply pause and ask if anyone else, you know, has something that they would like to get in. Or there's other times where I just notice that certain people have been silent and just knowing them, I think that they would have a strong opinion to offer. And then I'll just specifically call on people before, uh, before we move off of a topic. And so I think that that gives more power and influence to women uh, than they may otherwise have. 
Yeah, I I love that. And as a as an introvert myself, right, I love this idea that there can be a pause um, between when the question's asked and answered. So I know I personally appreciate just that that whole idea, and then taking some of these learnings and and applying them. I just the real world examples resonate a lot, Mike. So that's awesome. You know, kind of on a, a similar vein, you know, this journey is going to be it's it's an ongoing journey, right, for everyone. And so one of the things that I'm curious about is. What do you think are some of the biggest battles, right, that we have yet to to overcome or to kind of work through? Well, I would probably say there's a lot, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, I think individually we have a lot of room to grow. And even as a society, I think we have a lot of room to grow, you know, in these areas. One of the things that always is, is top of mind for me is I, I just think that we all need to have a broader and deeper understanding and a belief that diversity truly uh, drives differential performance. And so... Just my own personal experience is that when you, if you pay careful attention, a lot of people and a lot of companies still have a representation mindset. You know, when they talk about diversity, it's like, you know, what, what percentage of our leadership is women or is, uh, you know, people of color versus a performance mindset. And so, you know, I think when leaders or companies do look at diversity from a place of metrics or representation, I think that that's kind of a superficial view of things and doesn't doesn't lead to a lot of energy for change. As opposed to, I would say, companies or leaders who really have a deeper belief that diverse leadership drives differential performance, I think that really does lead to a lot more energy and urgency to drive change in these areas. So that's that's one thing that I think, you know, we could make a lot of progress on is just, you know, a, a deeper understanding and belief that diversity does actually lead to much better performance. Yeah. You know, another one I, I think of is... Um, just having a genuine curiosity and interest in learning about and understanding different people's experiences and perspectives. I can just speak for myself. You know, a lot of years went by with me making an unconscious assumption that others' experience were similar to mine. I mean, I can't even tell you how many years, you know, you just think that everyone else experiences the world the same, the same way that you do. And, you know, so I look at myself and I say, you know, I'm still woefully deficient in understanding how others experience you know, the world different um, than I do inside the same company or even inside the same team or in the same situation. And whether that's because of gender or learning and communication styles or skin color or personality traits, sexual orientation. I mean, I think there's so many different ways that we all experience the world. And so I think that's another battle we have to fight, right? Is just that, you know, we all need to have a desire to learn more about how others are experiencing the same world and just stay in inquiry and, and try to be more inclusive. So I don't know if that one resonates. I think, you know, a third one I, I kind of think of is, you know, I, I'd, I'd love it if we as a society and maybe as Devetans, we could just find a better balance of holding people accountable for their actions and behaviors and words while also creating and maintaining an environment where people can continue to grow and learn. And I think that this one is hard. And I believe most people are really good in their core. They may not be as good as an inclusive leader. And that can often be from blind spots or unconscious biases or even ignorance. But I do think if we can create a safer space for learning and for failure, that more leaders are going to grow and accelerate, you know, in this area. So I don't know if that makes sense. You know, I just know, like, from my own perspective, I've had a lot of growing to do in here. And that means that you stub your toe a lot, you know. And so when you're in a safe environment where people are allowing you to stub your toe and to continue to learn and be an inquiry, you know, then a lot of really great things can happen over time. Yeah. So many things are, are resonating with me and, and Mike, for what it's worth hearing you kind of talk about your journey and some of your reflections as I think back on a lot of the interactions that we've had over 
the last several years, I've really seen you be more really, I guess, intentional about some of the things that you're doing and just kind of the pausing and creating space for people to to think and reflect and maybe like Stephanie, you know, taking a little bit of time to think before you respond uh, and picking up on some of those you know, patterns that I've seen and, and appreciate it. Maybe just switching to a little bit of advice. So a lot of women hopefully joining in to listen to us. What advice do you have for women listening in? Yeah, well, one thing I would say is thank you for letting me stub my toe a lot with both of you. <laughs> um, I think the two of you have been great examples, you know, of that. So I look, I know that I haven't always been the greatest of, of leaders for the two of you, but you've always you know, you've always been able to sit down and talk to me and share your experiences and, and you know, sometimes give me a nudge and sometimes give me a kick you know, when I need to be doing better. So I, I totally appreciate that. I don't know, you know, advice for women, I would say, um, you know, just going back to some of the things I'd mentioned, I would just say one, just be courageous and constructive in helping others understand your experience. You know, personally, some of my best growth has just come from, again, you know, women like the two of you, having the courage to give me specific feedback to help me see things through your eyes and your experience and and then make what are often subtle or small changes but they have a big a big impact. And so I'm guessing your listeners are grateful when others help them see their blind spots and so this is just advice to do to do the same for others. You know a lot of what gets in our way are these unconscious biases, just things we're just you know we're just going along and impacting people in ways we don't understand. So if you can be more courageous and constructive and just helping others see when that's happening, it's, it's really great for them. A second thing I would say is also just be confident in advocating for yourself. I think it's great when women are really clear with their managers and their leaders and their mentors and their champions, you know, about their aspirations and about their development needs and about their unique situations. Because I think that that allows others to help really chart a course and to point out blind spots or maybe to point out when, you know, you might be a lot more ready than you think you are. <laughs> And I would also just say, I say this a lot, is just model the way. I mean, I think great advice for women, just model the way and be great examples of being inclusive leaders yourself. You know, it's sort of just like the golden rule, just behave and lead in a way that you expect others to behave with you and and, and to lead you. Yeah, Stephanie, I can't speak for you, but uh, I'll speak for myself. A few of those courageous moments uh, were not the easiest ones to have uh, conversations with Mike, but uh, but Mike, you created a super safe space, um, and and whether it was in the moment or afterwards, I think we always we always got to the positive side of those conversations. I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that our hope truly is that this isn't just a you know a podcast that women listen into, but but that other leaders and and men that lead women or are surrounded by women listen into um, and learn from as well. And so, Mike, I'll flip the coin a little bit. Any advice that you would give to to other men who are leading women? Yeah, I think that's a really that's a really good question. I'd probably just go back to touching on some of my own experience, but the first thing I would say is just you know understand that everyone that you lead is is unique and different in their own ways, whether they're they're women or not. And so I, th- I think good advice is just make an effort to build personal trusting relationships with everyone that you lead because that really allows you to learn more about them. You know, if you're staying curious and you're staying in inquiry, then it allows you to sort of customize your approach and your leadership based on individual needs. And everyone on your team will, will sort of be unique. Another one might be just in general, you may have to feed the women you lead with the same ambition and confidence that you might have if you were in their shoes. You know, going back to the first example or the story I was, you know, I was telling about how men, you know, just have a general tendency to jump for things with a little bit more 
confidence than than our, our women counterparts. So I do think, you know, good advice for men leading. You're going to have to pull women up. You're going to have to encourage them to go for it. I've just had multiple examples of great DVPs who just don't see themselves at the next level as Palmers. And I told a couple of stories about that. And I just think that there's a lot of great women that if we, you know, help encourage them, help give them the confidence to, to go for it, and that's something that will that will really help enhance our diversity within our village. And then, you know, a third one that the three of us have talked about before too is I would just say be mindful of who you're giving power to. And that's just in terms of who you're consciously or even unconsciously allowing to influence you as a leader. You know, are you being balanced and giving the women on your team a voice to impact the direction of the team and your decisions as a leader? And so that goes back to some of the things I talked about, about maybe having to create some space and create some pauses and call out the women on your team who may not be participating in a conversation. Because if we don't get their voices in the, in the room, then, you know, we're not giving power to that voice. It's so fun to hear you answer these questions, Mike, especially thinking of your first comment about you're not sure you've ever really kind of paid attention to this with intention or, or whatnot. Because in my mind, I think you have, right? I think it's just the, the constant reflection is amazing. And just, Mike, thank you so much for, for sitting down with us today and for being willing to have this conversation. I think it is incredibly encouraging to me personally and hopefully to many of our listeners to hear you just speak from your heart and your experience about kind of what you've learned and how you've grown and, and truly the advice to others really resonated um, a ton. I think there's a lot of good nuggets and, and takeaways in there for people. And so with that, I'd also just like to give a big thank you to our listeners for turning into Davida Pow, The Power of Women. I hope there was some encouragement and maybe a nugget or two in this conversation that really resonated with you or even someone on your team. I know that I am leaving this encouraged with a little more confidence to, to speak up sooner um, and also have the courage to give the feedback um, when I experience something that, that maybe doesn't resonate. This is Stephanie Hendrickson. Thank you very much for your continued curiosity and understanding the DaVita Power of Women.